acknowledging every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. And we have mentioned as we've gone along a lot of the different things that are in us because we're in Christ Jesus. And then we've said that discipleship is about a lot of things, but one of the key things discipleship in that process is about is bringing the new birth realities from inside of us into outward expressions of life. It's one thing to be born again righteous. It's another thing to experience, enjoy, and express that righteousness. When they were singing that song a while ago, I uh, say, how's it go? Who am I to say I'm lost when you have, what's the exact words? How could I be lost when you've called me found, right? How could I be sick when you've called me healed? How could I be bound when you've called me free? How could I be weak when you've called me strong, right? And it just it hasn't just, how many of you know when God calls something a thing, that's what it becomes? And so it's not just that he's called you that, he's made, he's made you all of those things. And so how do we then uh, experience, enjoy, and express these new birth realities that have already taken place inside of us? Um, we mentioned this verse in discipleship class, and I don't know if we'll get there tonight or not, but it's in my notes for this study as well. Hebrews ten fourteen says, He has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. And I believe that statement, perfected forever, speaking again of your born-again spirit, is the summation of all new birth realities. It's, it speaks to everything that you became and everything that you were given the day you became a new creation in Christ Jesus. Then, again, we've covered a lot of ground. I'm not going to try to review all of this, but uh, key to all, all of what we're talking about now is expectation, or also known as hope. Expectation places a demand on the new birth realities in your born-again spirit. Expectation places a demand on the new birth realities in your born-again spirit. So we've asked this question a few times. How many new birth realities has the average saved person acknowledged? Uh, you know, I've tried to teach people what the Bible says about them being righteous. And they've, you know, fought me tooth and nail about it. It's not what the Bible says, not what it says. There's none righteous, no, not one. Haven't you read that scripture, Pastor? You know, And so, you know, again... Um, how many new birth realities have you um, acknowledged in your life? And to acknowledge means more than just giving a mental assent to. To acknowledge something means to confess it. You know, um, if I don't want to try to put a negative take on this, but but you know, let's say that um, it, have you ever had like something go missing? You know, in your house, or how about this one? Something gets broken in the house, right? Who, who broke the lamp? I didn't broke it. You know. I mean, so if you broke the lamp, acknowledging that you broke it would be say, hey, you know what, I, I, I threw a ball at Matt and I shouldn't have and I broke the lamp. I'm sorry, you know. That, so acknowledging then would, would be to confess. It's more than just, you know, giving some mental um, nod to it. Uh, to acknowledge is, is a very important Bible word. It's, it's to recognize, it's to embrace, it's to accept as one's own and, and to uh, publicly confess um, uh, that these realities are true about you. Uh, a related question, what does the average person expect from their salvation experience? And I think for a lot of folks, their, their main and in, ca in some cases only expectation is... Um, you know, be forgiven for the sin so they can go to heaven 
when they die, and certainly that's a part of salvation, but what we've received is so much more. Now, Colossians chapter 2 and uh, verses 6 through 10, really the, the key verse we're focusing here is uh, on is verse 6. As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him, rooted and built up in Him, and established in the faith, as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. Beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit, according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. For in Him, in Christ, dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete in Him who is the head of all principality and power." So the question then is, if we have these new birth realities that need to become outward expressions of life, something that we experience, enjoy, and express, how do we do that? Well, we do that the same way we receive salvation in the first place. As you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him. And a few takeaways from these verses, it's one thing to receive Christ Jesus the Lord, but it's another thing to walk in Him. There's a lot of people who've received Jesus but have not taken those next steps of learning how to walk in Him or to walk out in their life reality everything that He brought to them and with Him, right? Because He lives in us. Christ in you, the confident expectation of realizing the glory of God in your own life. He brought all these things with Him. He's in you. Amen. And so it's one thing to receive Him. It's another thing to walk in Him. So walking in Christ Jesus means walking out in your life reality the fullness you received the moment you received Him. And according to this scripture, it's something we need to beware of because many of God's people are being cheated out of experiencing, enjoying, and expressing the wonderful things they received and became the moment they were born again. Now, I don't want to spend too much time here, but as it relates to people being cheated out of when I say your Christian experience, I don't your salvation experience, what, I'm, what I mean by that, and that could be a broad terminology, a general terminology, and I'm trying tonight to not be broad and general, but to be specific and precise. And when we talk about our salvation experience, we're talking about, again, uh, these realities that, you know, the glory of God. We spent, I don't know, three Wednesday nights, you know, where we see that Jesus came to this earth as a man and Father God gave him, uh, he emptied himself of the glory that he had on the throne in heaven, came to this earth, and Father God gave him glory as a man, and then in John 17, he gave that glory to, uh, to you and to me. We have a treasure in our earthen vessel. So how does that uh, glory in us that was in Jesus, remember when that glory, every miracle Jesus performed, every supernatural sign and wonder he performed on this earth, uh, was a manifestation of that glory, was a bringing forth of the inward reality of that glory, the, the glory in him uh, becoming an outward expression of life that was, uh, again, a sign. Miracles are, are called signs because they point to a hidden reality, and that hidden reality was the glory of God in him that has now been given to you and to me. So one of the mistakes, and according to Colossians 2 and 8, I'll put that verse back up, we are cheated out of our Christian experience, the reality of these new birth, um, the outward expression of these new birth realities through philosophy, empty deceit, traditions of men, 
and the basic principles of the world and not according to Christ. So he's saying that Jesus is the example that we need to look to because he was filled with the fullness of God on this earth as a man and we see how he lived and how he walked and how he ministered and, and, and the things that he did. And so if, if we come across a verse in the Bible um, that, okay, how about this? You shall lay your hands on the sick and the sick will recover. All right, so, well, so what, what does that mean? What, you know, how are we to understand that? How, how are we to take that? Well, religion says... Uh, let, let's 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 do, go through it. Philosophy, empty deceit, traditions of men, basic principles of the world says that's where you find doctors in the Bible. They lay hands on people and 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 do surgery and work. now listen. I'm not making light or fun. I'm so thankful for doctors and and medicine and I believe all of these things are are, are a gift of God and. And, and, you know, my mother has had doctors that I believe are just as called to do what they do as you're called to do what you do and as I'm called by God to do what I do, okay? But if we want to know what it means to lay your hands on the sick and see sick people recover, we don't look to religious traditions or the philosophies of people. We look to Jesus. Jesus, see, again, are we going to understand and interpret and gain perspective on these things according to religious interpretation, religious perspective, traditional perspective on these things, or are we going to look to the life of Jesus? Because it was in Jesus where the fullness of the Godhead bodily resided. Are you, are you picking up what I'm putting down? Are you following what I'm saying here? Okay. So in Ephesians 3 and 19, he talks about you and me knowing the love of Christ which passes knowledge that we also may be filled with all the fullness of God. Again, another new birth reality. Now, we received Christ Jesus the Lord and His gift of salvation by hearing, acknowledging, believing, and confessing. So we see, and I know we've covered some of this, and I'm going to say some of it a little differently. Hopefully it'll register with you or deeper with you if I say it a few different ways, all right? So, Faith received the salvation that was made available by love. And L is capitalized there because God is love. And, and, and grace is God who is love expressing himself. And so faith received the salvation that was made possible by love. Once salvation is received, the love that provided it and the faith that received it puts you in a position to hope for or expect things that were previously out of reach for you. So Philippians speaks of you and me laying hold of those things for which Christ Jesus laid hold of us. There were things that we had absolutely no hope of doing, no hope of becoming, no hope of receiving, no hope of, of, of experiencing, right? until Jesus laid hold of us. But once he laid hold of us, now there are things that are, in re that are, that are available. This is what he means when he says the kingdom is at hand. It's, it's as close as your outstretched hand. It's, if, if you're born again, it's even closer than that now. The kingdom's in you. Are you still with me? 
The kingdom is in you. So once salvation is received, the love that provided it and the faith that received it puts you in a position to hope for or expect things that were previously out of reach. So here's a question you can take home with you, and and I mean like just as you meditate, what are reasonable expectations for someone who's been born again? Our expectations in life should be different from and higher than the expectations of people who have not been born again. But I'll tell you, in, 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 in my life experience, um, <laughs> amen, it's, it's, it's not even that they're equal. I've seen people who, who aren't even born again who have higher expectations in, in life for themselves, for the children, whatever, than, um, than born-again folks. Am I getting too close? I mean, I'm not trying to upset you. Just hear me. What are this, we need to answer this question. What are reasonable expectations for someone who's been born again? Um, I've got, like, I don't know how many pages, just all kinds of notes. I've been taking notes on this for months now. And, and every time, I, that's an exaggeration, a lot of the times when I put expect, type it or dictate expectations in there, the Holy Spirit prompts me to include the word reasonable. Reasonable expectations. And at first I kind of wrestled with that. I was like, well, I mean, you know, we, we want to go big here, you know. But the reality is it's a reasonable expectation based upon what it means to be a born-again person. A born-again man or woman should expect to live free from sin because we've been made free from sin. Are you with me? A born-again person should expect abundance in their lives. A born-again person should expect, I mean, do I need to just keep, you follow what I'm saying? So what, what are reasonable expectations for someone who's been born again? Sadly, the average born-again person expects very little from their salvation experience. But we have right and reason to expect far more than we are expecting. Would somebody give me an amen on that? Now, why is this important? Well, what did we say a moment ago? What do expectations do? Expectation places a demand on the new birth realities in your born-again spirit. So if we never have any expectation of, of righteousness, if we never have any expectation of freedom, if we never have any expe- expectation of, of promotion, if we never have any expectation of provision, and any expectation of glory manifested in and through our lives, then no demand is being placed on the new birth realities that already reside inside of you. Now, Here's a verse that I think a lot of you will be familiar with. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 13. It says this, And now abide faith, hope, love, these three, but the greatest of these is love. And, um, you know, Pam and I have uh, been honored to serve as your pastors now for 20-some-odd years. And before that, we were associate pastors and youth pastors. and, And even before I met Pam, me and Matt, did some traveling and, and preaching. And so um, I have, over the years, we've taught classes. Pam, Pam and I taught Sunday school and you know, things of this nature. And, um, you know, over the years, I have taught numerous lessons on the subject of, of love, the love of God, our love for one another, the importance of love in our lives, you know, love in a family, love in a marriage. You know, love is a, is a broad subject that, that we could 
speak and teach and, and preach and write on, um, you know, for years and years and years and, and, and still not cover it all. And then we've obviously done the same with hope. Um, probably of the three, uh, faith uh, has, has been the one we've mentioned and, and, and spoken of or, or talked about and taught on um, the most. Now, there's a key word in this passage, and it's the word abide. The King James Version translates abide as remains, and now remains faith, hope, and love, these three. And the New King James Version has it abide instead of remains. Now, both of these words, remains uh, or abide, um, however it's translated, do not really paint the full picture of, uh, or capture the full meaning, I should say, of what the original word uh, actually is communicating here. So the word abide from the, the Greek, it means remain, nor does it will always be, but it means so much more. Abide speaks to the relation in which one thing stands to another. The relation in which um, one thing, I should, I've got a typo there, one thing stands to another, or in which things stand to one another. So these three abiding, faith, hope, love, these three abiding means they go together, they stand together, they work together, and they produce results together. That's, that's really what it means when it says that they abide or that they remain. Now, I'm certainly not trying to trivialize holy things, but if you're going to experience and enjoy a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, you've got to have three things. You've got to have bread, you've got to have peanut butter, and you've got to have jelly. Am I right about it? Now, individually, these have their own identity and purpose, but when they work together as a system, we receive something special that cannot be realized any other way. Now, bread is good. I like bread. Amen. Peanut butter is good. And jelly is good. Now, you can, you can eat a piece of bread by itself. If I do that, I prefer it toasted. I've been known to grab a spoonful of peanut butter, you know, get a good dose of protein and carbs, kind of a good balance there. I've even been known to do that going out the door. I'm not sure that I've ever enjoyed jelly, you know, without some other medium. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I, I, you know, biscuit with butter, preferably, um, if, if I'm going to do the jelly. But um, I guess if you got hungry enough, you know, you pack a jelly. Um, for uh, a burst of, uh, of calories, okay? So individually, um, these things are uh, okay, but when these three abide together, can I, can I get a witness? Amen? There's, there's something uh, special. There's something, uh, uh, not to exaggerate, but it's, um, it's, it's magical. And so you, you cannot have a peanut butter and jelly sandwich unless bread peanut butter and jelly abide together. 
uh, unless they work together. And in the same way, you cannot walk in your new birth realities unless faith, hope, and love abide together and work together in your life. So from this, we come back to faith, hope, and love form a dynamic and interactive system. They, they work together, they, they come together, they stand together, they go together. And while they are very important, and for that matter, we could even say very powerful uh, as, an, as, a, as a separate entity, the, the, the real purpose for these things uh, can only be uh, uh, understood and realized when we, when we see them connected to the system that God intends for them to function in. Now, let's go back through some of these things. I just want to make a run up to this, all right? So, love has made salvation available to all men. That's what Titus 2.11 tells us. If not for love, there would be nothing for faith to receive. So, love, though, can only go so far without faith, and faith can only go so far without hope. Now, I was reading back over this because I, I think we made these points uh, on, they were at least in my notes, I think we made these points last Wednesday night, but as I, as I was looking at this, um, I, I want to I clarify, when I say can only go so far, do you see that? Love can only go so far without faith, and faith can only go so far without hope. What I'm referring to is the ability these things have to produce results in your life, Okay? You see, God's love for you can only produce limited results at best for you without faith on your part stepping in and receiving. Now, I'm, I, don't, I, don't think, I don't think to say His love for you, you can't benefit from it at all if, if without faith because that wouldn't be accurate. Because, you know, but for the mercy and grace of God... Um, even on people who don't know him or deny that he exists, you know, I mean, they still enjoy his oxygen. They still, you know, have the uh, electrical impulse in their physical bodies that, you know, keeps their brains and, and you know, synapses firing and, and heart beating. Um, so that's why I say God's love for you can only produce limited results at best for you without faith on your part, stepping in and receiving. In the same way, love alone, in the same way love alone cannot produce results in your life without faith, love and faith are limited in what they can produce in your life without hope. You see now, we're, we're getting all the pieces put, put together here. So God's love can only do so much in your life without your faith responding to Him. Okay? But man, what happens when your faith responds to God's love? When your faith responds to what He's done for you, what He's said about you, what He's given for you, the power of God and the salvation, right? You receive that by faith. And, and so now love and faith coming together in, 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 in your life literally transform you forever, perfect you forever. But in the same way, love can only go so far without faith. Love and faith working together can produce a lot. But love and faith without hope, only so much, only so much that they can accomplish. So 
we said it this way a few Wednesday nights ago. Once faith receives, it passes the baton to hope. And hope carries the baton across the finish line of physical experience and visible manifestation. Let's go back to it. By faith, we receive the new birth realities. But it's expectation that places a demand on what's already present in our inward man. Now, I don't want to try to exaggerate this, but I really, man, I'm telling you, I just hear this. Please hear this. I believe this is straight from the Holy Spirit to you and me. Because faith, hope, and love are a dynamic and interactive system, there must be precision in their application. There must be precision in their application. There's different ways that I know the Lord is speaking to me, and and (laughs) don't be confused by this. Obviously, the most important way you can ever confirm whether or not God is speaking to you is by the Word of God. But sometimes when He speaks to me, and I know it's Him, and one of the ways I know it's Him is that I have to look up the Word that He says to me because this word precision, you know, I was like, okay, precision. Let's, let's, let's make the statement again. Because faith, hope, and love are a dynamic and interactive system, there must be precision in their application. This is what precision means. Precision means exact and accurate. Exact and accurate. So a lack of precision will prevent the dynamic and interactive system of faith, hope, and love from producing results. It's a very powerful system. It's a system that will move a mountain, not some kind of metaphor. Jesus just spoke to a fig tree that withered up and died, so he wasn't being all figurative here. He said, you can speak to that mountain and move it into the sea if you believe and do not doubt in your heart. In other words, Jesus wasn't exaggerating here to make a point. God doesn't exaggerate. Am I right about this? So we're talking about something that that is very, very powerful. We're talking about something that is otherworldly that we've been given access to here in the physical realm to literally bring the power that created the universe into play and action in our lives. Have you looked at any of these images from the Webb telescope? Man, our God. Pam and I were looking at some of them last night. The beauty of it. So, baby, that is 500 million light years from us. You know what that means? That's, that's the distance light travels 186,000 miles per second is how fast. So, light travels at 186,000 miles per second. 500 million light years is how long it would take light right, to travel. I mean, again, the meat computer can't comprehend those kinds of distances. I think it was 
was it Jupiter? They've been watching cyclones on Jupiter at the North Pole of Jupiter. There's seven of them in a pattern. And those cyclones have been in that same position for four years. I mean, see, when we talk about faith, hope, and love, we're talking about, it's, it's one of the points that we've been making on Sunday, that we have access to very complex, otherworldly things by simple, doable, um, you know, just ask. You know, he's, there was these, these simple things that God says, look, do this, but, but that simple action, doable action, uh, predictable action that we can all, it, it connects us and enables us to tap into the, the very power and wisdom that created the universe itself. So precision means precise and accurate. I'm sorry, precision means exact and accurate. Now, it's been um, some years ago, and she's been on a few trips, but I believe it was um, the trip that a group from the church took to, uh, to South Africa. It was a missions trip. And um, the, uh, the hosts where, where they were staying... Were, they were trying to come up with an American food to serve the Americans. And so they were so excited when they brought in these big trays of butter and jelly sandwiches. See, they, they thought they were making, they didn't realize it was peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. Bethany said it was bread with enough butter, you know, to, to run the second shift of a small restaurant, and then jelly, and then, yeah, almost a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. But notice now, because the peanut was missing out of the butter... <laughs> It, it was close, but not not at all. And Bethany said basically inedible. And and there, of course, everybody was trying to be nice because they were so, you know, happy to have been able to provide this American experience for them. Right? How many of you know precision matters? You can't have a peanut butter and jelly sandwich if you don't have peanut butter, jelly, and bread. Satan is behind the confusion and ignorance that leads to the lack of precision where faith, hope, and love are concerned. Can you stay with me just another minute or two? We throw the words believing and hoping around in ways that are inaccurate, that are, that are, that are not precise. What do we really mean when we say, I'm believing for the best? What do we really mean when we say, I hope everything works out? How many times have we used the word believe or believing, but what we were really saying uh, is that we are wishing. We do the same thing with hoping. When we casually say, I'm hoping for the best, 
Or how about this one? I'm hoping and praying while, you know, crossing our fingers. You see, true Bible hope is more than looking on the bright side. Are you with me this evening? True Bible hope is more than an effort on our part to think more about the positive outcome than the negative one. Sadly for many people, this is all hope is to them. What does it really mean to have faith? What does it really mean to have hope? The constant and subtle misuse of the words believe, faith, and hope, and for that matter, throw love in there, right? What does the world say about love? At least Tina Turner, it's a second-hand emotion. Think for a minute. Think for a minute now. How clueless the world is about what love truly is. We've been covering this now for some time here at Heritage, the difference between agape and philo. Right? And, and how confused even God's people are about love and how it works and what it is and, and the difference between feelings and commitment and respect and, and, and so forth and so on. But I'm telling you, this, the same confusion that, that people have about what, lo- what love really is and how love really works carries over into what faith really is and how faith really works, and it carries over into what hope really is and how hope really works. It's a lack of precision. It's a lack of precision. The constant and subtle misuse of the words belief, faith, and hope has undermined and watered down their true meaning and the precision necessary to experience God's results in our lives. So what do we need? We need a reset, right? We need a reset on what these words really mean. We need to understand how they are to be used and the role that they play in God's foundational system for our lives. We need to restore some precision when it comes to this interactive and dynamic system of faith, hope, and love. We've got to, please listen to me, we've got to stop throwing these words around like they mean the same thing or we, we say we're believing when, you know, never mind telling people I'll pray for you and never praying for them. We've got to cut that out. Okay, don't, don't tell them you're going to pray. And I'll tell you, and if, if any of you, you know, in the last year or so have asked me to pray about something, I'll send back to you praying now. Sometimes I literally am praying when the text came in, but if I'm not, I'm going to stop what I'm doing and I'm going to pray right then. I'm not going to tell you I'm going to pray for you and forget about it and not do it. There's enough of all that, right? But also when we say, you know, look, I'm just believing for the best. What we don't realize is what it really means to believe God just took an took a undermining shot. When, when we use believing as, and what we really mean is I, I hope, and when we say I hope, what we really mean is, you know, uh, good luck. And, and it becomes nothing more than just something that we say without any real understanding of what it means, much less, listen, my commitment to you is if I tell you I'm believing God with you, I'm believing God with you. I mean that. What are we believing? What, what verse are we standing on? Let's get in agreement with this. Let's, let's stand on this and let's believe this. And then after we believe, I had the honor of believing God with Sister Gail on Sunday morning. 
And we just went ahead and covered it, and we called it done. And her expectation took about a two days before. I'm talking about when it manifested, okay? Yeah. Because I, I, I t- I, we talked about this. I said, you know when that happened, right? When it was taken care of, right? She said, Sunday morning. I said, nope. She said, two days ago. I said, nope, 2,000 years ago. That's when it was done, right? See, when we believed, listen now, watch this, how I'm going to use these words. When we, when we believed and prayed and confessed that she was healed on Sunday morning, you see, watch this now. I'm, I'm not, I'm out of time. I need, I need another hour and a half to get all that. But we'll get there, I promise you, we'll get there next month. Next, but just listen to me. <clears throat> she was already healed before she asked me to pray. That's what the Bible says, by his stripes were healed. So healing, let, let me ask you this, and I'm just, just stay with me for a minute. Based on the word of God, is it reasonable for a born-again Christian to expect healing in their bodies? Based on what Jesus did, based on what he suffered, based on what the scriptures say, based on what the prophet said, based on the fulfillment of what the prophet said, based upon what Jesus said, based upon what Jesus did, based upon what he demonstrated, based upon what was was demonstrated by the apostles. Man, one of the first major miracles after Jesus had returned to heaven was when when Peter and John, uh, the, the, the man at the temple gate, again, Let's not, let's not go with philosophy. Let's not go with, with the traditions of men. Let's not go with religious interpretations of these things. Let's go according to Christ. Let's go to what the scriptures say. What'd they say? What'd they say to that man? Such as I have, I'm going to now give to you. What did, what did they acknowledge? They acknowledged that not only were they healed, but that the healer had put his name in them and authorized them to do what they had seen him do for three years. I, I'm, not, I'm not trying, but see, this is what I mean by a reset. They didn't pray for that man to be healed. They called him healed. They recognized that they had healing in them to give to him, and they gave it to him in the name of Jesus. And then, of course, they're like, oh, look at what these men have done. And they said, what in the world makes you think we did that? We didn't do that. It was the name of Jesus and faith in his name that has given this man the perfect wholeness and soundness that you see right now in front of you. So when they say they didn't do it, why do they say such as we have? It's because they recognize that they had been given something that they could, were authorized to give to that man, and it was healing. So let me, can I tell you what, what happened for Sister Gail this week? The new birth reality in her inward man became an outward expression something that was already in her, she, by faith, called upon it, expected, joyful expectation, right, of something that was already done for her. She began to, we prayed, we nailed it down, the name of Jesus right here, right now, we're calling it done, and now 
I look forward to hearing the good report, sister. Because remember, faith's results are immediate, but they're not immediately visible. They're not immediately visible. And so when we're fully persuaded that something is done before we see it or feel it or can put our hands on it, but we still are fully persuaded it's done, that provides the foundation for joyful expectation, also known as hope. Love healed her. Faith received it when she received salvation. Calling, acknowledging that she's healed, acknowledging what the Bible says about whatever things you desire. When you pray, believe that you've already received them and you will have whatever it is that you ask. Expectation. Amen? All right, stand with me. Praise God. I could go forever tonight. I think I could preach till in the morning. Are you okay? Y'all okay? You good? Let me tell you something. You're better than you know. You're better than you know yet. Amen. Father, thank you for this time together this evening. Lord, thank you for these beautiful men and women. Thank you for their faithfulness. Thank you for their commitment. Lord, thank you, Lord, that, um, um, Lord, we just people who choose, Lord, to, to quote you, Jesus, that have chosen the part that can't be taken away from them, Lord. And I thank you that Satan will not steal this word from us, but that we will continue to grow in the reality of it. And, Father, that, that your Holy Spirit, we give him permission uh, to check us, Lord, any time we misuse and, and misplace in, in our daily speech the words pertaining to faith, hope, and love. That may be uh, believing or expecting or wishing or hoping or all these other things, Father. That, that any time we use those words, we would be very, very uh, aware, Lord, of how we're using them and, and exactly what they mean. Uh, and, Lord, that you would help us reset the precision of faith, hope, and love in our lives and in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you again for being here this evening. It means so much to me for you to uh, put the Lord and what he's doing here among us first in your life this evening. So you be blessed. Have a, a, a great rest of your week, and we'll see you Sunday morning, if not before.